2012 on radio.org.au The New Evangelization on Campus with Daniel Hill Daniel is Director of the University Chaplaincies for the Archdiocese and has been working in mission to students for five years. The chaplaincies serve at four of the main universities in the Archdiocese, University of Sydney, Macquarie University, University of New South Wales and the University of Technology Sydney. With a combined total of 150,000 students, this is a task of significant proportions. Daniel served two terms as President of the Australian Catholic Students Association as an undergraduate. This talk was recorded in a collaboration between cradio.org.au and xt3.com. The topic of the new evangelisation is very important and I'm not going to go into that because I'm sure if you've been here, you've heard a lot about it. But the notion that a new evangelization is needed is um, something that's very poignant for university campuses because we're not living in a, a purely pagan world. Uh, we're living in a post-Christian world, you could say. Uh, I, I don't think we're at post-Christian world yet, but we're kind of tending towards <coughs> people have some vague notion of Christianity. It's like a a mythological thing or it's a negative thing um, in many ways um, and particularly when it comes to fundamentals of Christianity so they might believe in Jesus they might think Christianity is okay they might believe in God of some kind but when it comes to the rubber hitting the road um, how does it affect your daily life there's, there's a little bit of um, disconnect there so the new evangelization in that way is very very important that said, of all the places, I think university campuses are the most pagan in a way. Um, it's very similar to the Areopagus that we hear about in, um, in the journey of, of St. Paul, where he goes to you know, the, the public area where people are discussing the issues of the day and philosophical issues, and there are all these different altars. Um, and that kind of reminds me of... of um, a week at the university, or lots of different stalls. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and one, I couldn't, couldn't give you the name, one philosopher you know, calls Christianity now a mere booth in the fairground of postmodernism. And the university, yeah. in a way, um, is, is a great example of that. So, so while there's that new evangelization, that kind of reclaiming um, uh, uh, Christians for Christianity or a Christian world for Christianity, we are getting to the point of. Uh, Christianity being a totally new thing. Say so a 15 year old today, it's very likely if you met a 15 year old today, um, they would never have set foot in a church in their life. So it's very different to even our own age, or my own age, or an age of those older. So that's a good thing to think about um, to frame what we're going into. Now, to start, I want to get someone to read a passage from the Gospel of Luke. To Luke. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know him. But supposing him to be in the company, they went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. After three days they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. 
And when they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been looking for you anxiously. And he said to them, How is it that you saw me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying which he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, Nazareth and was obedient to them. And his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stayed and stature up and in favour with God and man. Okay. Thank you. Um, that's a very famous scene from the, um, the childhood of Christ, the last moment we know of his childhood. And of course there are many, many things to be said um, from that. And many exegetical points are going to be brought out. What I um, want to focus on here is how uh, this is actually Christ attending university. Uh, there's one way you can look at it. The temple being the, the place where the learning in the Jewish, um, in the Jewish culture and the um, in the Jewish religion took place, uh, where the doctors, uh, where the those who um, understood the law and, 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 and discussed the law and studied the law were located. So Christ leaves his parents and goes to this place to. Um, sit among the teachers and he listens to them and asks them questions that's an important thing as well he's, he's seeking knowledge now, the all knowing one is seeking knowledge now, that's, that's kind of paradox of the ecstatic union um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's good for us to think that, that attending university and leaving the cradle of learning from our parents or our school teachers you know uh, in union with our parents and, and seeking the truth on our own. Uh, that's, that's an important thing. And that's something that we need to, to remember and that we're imitating Christ by doing that. <coughs> the second thing is um, <coughs> the temple itself. Well, he goes to the temple. Now, the temple is where God was worshipped. Uh, it was where, in a sense, heaven and earth connect. And it's... And it's, it's good to reflect upon how the university should be a temple as well. Uh, the church, church of course, should be a temple. We, us, as Christian people, should be a temple. But the university is always understood as this special place, this, this um, new Jerusalem where the wonders of God's magnificence and creation uh, are discovered and where contemplation happens. But that, that's the fundamental understanding of what um, a university should be. Now, a lot of them have stray very far from that but, but that's a great way to understand how to approach university life and what it is to study <clears throat> what happens afterwards where he goes back into the world and he um, is uh, what well, well, the exact quote is he increases in wisdom or increased in wisdom now there's a lot of discussion about that theologically but for our purposes here it's important to know that university doesn't bestow wisdom and university is one of the many pathways we have towards attaining uh, wisdom and attaining perfect wisdom which is heaven um, but for those who those of you who um, are university students so I think there's at least three of you and then I know you're all involved um, are you a university student as well or studying at finished. Yeah, finished. Um, it's good to understand 
your university life or if you're a leader, this, your student's life as a time to grow and a time to learn new things. Um, I think it's very sad a lot of students just turn up to university and leave after their classes and they don't try anything else at university, don't join clubs, don't join societies, don't try and run events because they're only getting half of their education. The other half comes from putting your uh, money where your mouth is, putting your time out there to do do things. And that learning is also part of growing in wisdom. So Christ continues to grow in wisdom after he's in the temple. Um, and that's by being in the world, you know, we think you know, the carpet and things like that. So <clears throat> that's a good kind of way to think about uh, universities. Now, in my um, experience we're running a chaplaincy and, and running student societies at the university there are um, four main parts of a successful whatever that means but a successful university ministry a successful way of connecting with students to get them to think about um, uh, the bigger things in life to get a catholic students to take the faith more seriously or helping catholics you know maintain and, and deepen their love of christ and they all work together. Uh, I've, I've divided them up, but none is actually separate from the other. But it's a good way to, to do it. So I'll, um, I'll start <coughs> at the start. And I've got one prop here to kind of <laughs> encapsulate or um, uh, to be a kind of simile or a metaphor for what I'm talking about. So well, the first one is the spiritual and liturgical life of a Catholic student. And now I've got a stole here, which I stole from Father Paul the chaplain at Sydney University. Um, university students, and, and all Catholics, but I'm talking about university students in particular, uh, really, really come together around the Mass. And it's, it's the, the centre of the work that any Catholic society, university society does. Um, those of you who are at universities in in Sydney, we were able to provide mass uh, daily, pretty much, yeah. and I think that maintains a very strong sense of the importance of that. And I remember uh, attending a <coughs> a conference in Rome and on university ministries and Catholic universities and secular universities with Catholic chaplaincies, and the discussion was about how a lot of University students have like a 12-year-old understanding of Christianity and a postgraduate understanding of physics or something. So we have, there's, there's this dichotomy. <coughs> but it's, and I'll mention that again later. But it's also important to note that often most students also have that kind of disparate um, disconnection in ratios between their academic and social life and their spiritual life. So if you're running a group, uh, encourage mass. Try to organise uh, to put mass on in a good spot for a good time. Um, that's, that's very important. And of course, as well as that, kind of leading from the mass, which is the source and summit of our life here on earth, uh, the other devotions uh, that, that are helpful too, like rosary groups, or um, simply just saying the rosary is a good one, and the divine office, so the prayer of the church, that's also good. The, those of you who went to the Axel Conference would have known that they had uh, morning and evening prayer for those who wanted to attend. And uh, that's, that's quite something. <coughs> Retreats are also an important thing. Um, and students often uh, come to a really strong understanding of the faith through 
their uh, the attendance at, at retreats. I was in America earlier this year, and you know, late last year, early this year, and I went to a lot of the big university campus ministry places in America, and they have you know, thousands and thousands of students who attend their events. Um, and they focus a lot around retreats. They, getting students who are interested to commit to, say, going away for a weekend with 200 other students and um, getting them to think about, in their first year, what they want to do when it comes to committing, committing their lives to, to, to Christ and <coughs> keeping him as the core of their, their being. So re- organising retreats, encouraging your friends to come to retreats, turning them yourself is, is a very good thing. <coughs> so that's the style. The, uh, the, the next thing I have here is formation. Uh, and that is you know, from the catechism, as an example, for instance. When I talk about formation, I'm talking about that you know, 12-year-old versus postgraduate understanding. So you have a 12-year-old understanding of the faith, and you know, you've got a PhD in insects or something. Um, <laughs> Some people with PhDs in insects also have a much higher level understanding of the faith. But anyway, we we see that that's a problem. And look, you can't. Not every student can study theology at university. Not all of us are necessarily called to study theology at university. Though originally it would have been a core subject at the original universities. But um, a, a good Christian life thrives off an, uh, an experience of the truth and thrives off understanding. We're emotional beings, which is something I'll get to, but we're also rational beings. And, we, uh, and, and we're able to use our rational mind to deepen our faith, to solidify our convictions. And the best way to do that is to give students teachings that have conviction, um, to not be afraid of the big issues, <coughs> to uh, challenge the, <coughs> um, the zeitgeist of the time. It tells the zeitgeist. And sometimes that means uh, being very out there in what, what we say, at least in the eyes of other people, but it's, it's very important. And we should never shy away from saying in, in a good and, and, and complete way what we believe, but, but also inviting others to, to teach. And one of the great things that's happened at university campuses is a very, uh, in Sydney, is a very robust level of talks that happen every week, often. Um, and then smaller groups as well, so smaller Bible studies or understanding the scriptures a lot better, and from that understanding um, the faith a lot better. Or small groups on, the- on theology or philosophy or um, discussing, you know, Issues of, of marriage and sex and, and family. So, so these small groups are also very powerful, and they kind of feed each other. Uh, so yes, there we go. The spiritual, uh, the um, uh, the form, the form, formative level, the formation, formation level. Okay, then we have the graduation hat. This is my one actually been got out of the cupboard for a while. But uh, that's something to think about. <coughs> and um, We can't forget that university students are actually there to gain a degree. 
and that's why they're there. That's the fundamental reason why they enrolled. The university students are uh, <coughs> meant to grow in wisdom, as I mentioned before. So what does that mean? Well, it means uh, a few things. Uh, get involved if you're a student. Get involved, do something. Um, and sometimes better to do anything than nothing. Get five people together to say the rosary once a week. Or, you know, invite a guest speaker from America. There are very, you know, raise up your chaplaincy or raise up your, your other groups. So I know students who just um, have a rosary group. And I know students who do it, arrange guest speakers to come from America and invite them around the country. It can be done. The, the learning that comes out of that is amazing, and I, and I did mention that earlier. The formation that a student gets in practical things is, is excellent. If the, uh, the student makes mistakes, that's also a learning experience. There's no better place to make mistakes than a university. Um, that's where good mistakes should be made. Um, because a mistake, of course, can flourish into a much greater thing afterwards. If you fail your exam, uh, it's, it's usually a good idea to study more and then pass again. And often those who fail an exam actually uh, learn a lot more. It's a funny, funny thing. It depends on what kind of student they are. But, um, that whole kind of kick in the butt uh, makes a difference. As someone who has a chaplaincy, I, you know, I could very efficiently run a lot of, the, a lot of things we put on but no student would be involved because it's easier for me just to do it all myself. But if I did that, then, then a lot of the students would miss out on the learning, the experience, the confidence, the confidence that comes from putting on a, a good event that actually makes a difference in people's lives and with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so that, that's uh, an important part of the uh, graduation hat. Okay? So the, the, uh, learning and the, the, the growing of wisdom. University is also a time when a lot of young people decide on their vocation. So if you're running a student society, think about that. Uh, it's um, something that people do have, the back, students do have in the back of their minds, some of them in front of their minds. And what better place to help feed them uh, is you see a fire priest to talk about uh, vocations or just get a group to go on to something that's already on. That's also uh, very important. The decisions that people make in the university life are often <coughs> some of the most important decisions they make. They often find a girlfriend at university as well, or a boyfriend. Or nothing, nothing, not necessarily universally true for everybody, but I think it's important. Important, important point. Uh, the other thing is that there are always going to be alternatives for students who are keen. So if a student is keen to be involved in something, they'll find it somewhere. And if the church isn't there to offer them something, if Christians aren't there to offer them something, they might go somewhere else. Often the um, in, in Sydney, the evangelical groups are very, very professional, very robust. They're, they're a lot older than the Catholic societies on, on campus. And they, they, they have a lot of Catholics who join them because they see a lot of vibrancy, they see a way to get involved, they may not have a full understanding of their faith and they're getting answers that they 
um, have never had before, and that's where they go. Or some will go to politics, political societies. Now, nothing wrong with going to political societies, of course. Um, a lot of Catholics do both. But um, not having uh, a clear avenue to participate as a Catholic Christian university campuses uh, isn't great. It, it is, isn't ideal because there's a vacuum that we fill with something else. John Paul II used to say that the church needs to follow its university students uh, on campus. And you yourselves who are involved on campus or have been in the past have done a great service um, on behalf of the church and through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and you often never know uh, what effect you had, you've had, you've had on people. And you never will know sometimes. Um, so don't be afraid of uh, being out there and enabling others to join with you and to do things. Uh, it's it's a, a very important part of, part of this whole growing in wisdom uh, and, and formation outside of the classroom, uh, so to speak. Okay, now the most exciting one is the beard. I prefer James Bogues, but the extra grow is the only one I had available, so uh, we'll have to do with that. Okay, and that's the social aspect of university life, and particularly of Christian Catholics at university. We, while we, I said we're rational beings, we're also emotional beings. And one of the great uh, effects of original sin is that wounding we have where we're not integrated, where our emotions and our rational self somehow are out of sync sometimes, or all the time, in the case of me anyway. Um, but there's no, and we're often the intellect, the rational mind, kind of subconsciously, say, <coughs> puts down the emotional, the emotional side of things. So kind of, this is what I need to do, this is where I need to go. Uh, but the emotion, the emotional life has a lot to say, and it's, and it's quite important. And it's a matter of allowing it to flourish in, in good situations. Interestingly, and this is kind of a tangent, it's the liturgy, it's the mass that allows the full flourishing of both at once. Where it's both a leap of faith, and there's an intellectual kind of understanding of the Mass, but then it's made manifest in this beauty, particularly a really beautiful Mass with beautiful music and beautiful vestments like this and beautiful church. These things are both the both the product and the okay, mingling of the rational, the rational and the emotional. And what are they? The source of something of our lives. That is kind of an example of, of integration. But anyway, getting back to the, the emotional and the, and, and the social side of things. Uh, it's very important that, and fundamentally important that Christian societies have a good time. And they're seen as a place where you can have a good time. A healthy time, of course, and not too much excess, but, um, but a good time. Now, that involves, kind of a practical level, putting on a ball, putting on a hover cruise, which some of you I know have been involved in or attended. Putting on barbecues for students, but just but but in many ways um, it's based around the whole notion of friendship, and that's very very important. Christ made it so important that he called his apostles his friends in the end of the, in the Gospel of John, and a friend of course is one who desires the good of the other, 
Now, I, I don't believe in kind of making friends for the sake of converting people. I think that's kind of counterintuitive and a little bit not real friendship. <laughs> um, but, but allowing a space for good solidarity and good friendship and using those friendships uh, with the, in, using those friendships the way um, the Holy Spirit inspires us to. So by having these social events in order to create solidarity and a sense of um, emotional fulfillment, if you want to put it that way, it's a place to bring others as well, to introduce others to something that is, um, you know, dead, dead boring. Oh, hi, I'm you know, so-and-so, you make friends with someone in your lab at the university. Do you want to come to a talk with me at lunchtime on sex before marriage? That's not going to work. Yeah, and, and that, I'm, I'm being very practical here, but that's also um, being a social retard. You wouldn't do that. Um, and you wouldn't do that in normal life. Or you, you, that's not the kind of thing you do in life. It's a matter of, matter of, of being a normal uh, person and treating you know, your Christianity as an integral part of being a normal. So it's not all about going to mass. It's not all about going to talks. It's not all about. It's about living a virtuous life with, with, with your friends, and that's um, very important. You know, I'm married. I'm, you know, my greatest friend is my wife. Is my wife. Okay. Well, that's the beer. Now, one thing I also want to talk about is challenges. There are challenges to the mission of the Catholic Church or Christianity on university campuses today, particularly secular university campuses, which is where I have you know, the most experience. And the main one is apathy. And that's that's the, 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 the new evangelization, that people are so used to the Christian message, or they think they know it, that it's very hard to get them engaged in thinking about it. It's always been hard, but there's this kind of unique edge to to it in this post-Christian Christian world. Um, what I've listed is some uh, aspects here of the four uh, four wings, I suppose, of what could be done are a way to help um, get people to think, get people uh, to think about their own lives and, and their purpose in life. But apathy is a big problem. And the best way to combat apathy is not to be apathetic yourself. Now, we're all going to be apathetic about something. I'm apathetic about AFL. I don't care. Um, sorry if anyone here likes AFL, but maybe I'm not apathetic. Maybe I actually hate it. But anyway, <laughs> I think I'm apathetic about AFL. So, of course, we can't take every cause as our own and, and fight for it. But what I, what I mean by apathy is, is an apathy towards our own purpose and apathy towards our dignity and apathy towards the fact that we are actually fundamentally good and uh, that we need to love ourselves as God loves us in order to love others. So an apathy towards the, the, big, uh, uh, the big issues in life, the, the, the purpose of life. And by not being apathetic, we become little beacons of, of truth, beacons of joy, one would hope, at least a lot of the time. And, and and rub off on others. So a great way to combat that is, is apathy. Now I've got two more practical things and I don't think anyone in this room is going to solve them immediately, but 
I think it's good to mention. Australian universities are very hard to do any kind of ministry like this on because they're commuter universities. Now, do you know what that means? So that means students travel to university life, mainly. That's not what a university is meant to be. And the original universities are never like that. The best universities in the world are not like that. And um, a lot of countries look at Australia and go, well, how does anybody even learn? Uh, what, what's going on there? The, the original understanding of university is kind of a place set apart for people, you know, go on retreats in a kind of fun, good way for three years and uh, really delve into what they're doing and they live together in community. And the reason American universities have thousands of Catholic students attending sort of Catholic society events compared to Australia having up to hundreds, from, you know, from five to 50 to 100, 150, is because they're all off, students are just off going home and instead of just catching their attention, they're just kind of sitting there at this college town in the middle of nowhere in America looking for something to do, we can offer them something to do. We've got to catch their attention from going home, uh, from going to work. And that's a practical thing and it's worth being aware of. We're not going to solve it ourselves, so if any of you become a Minister of Education uh, for the state or federal government, have a think about it. Just remember what Daniel Hill said in the uh, scene in 2012. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's something we, we do have to be aware of, as I said, um, and be strategic in what we do in order to uh, attract the attention that we need to attract you to get better thinking. Okay, well, the next part here I was going to do some kind of practical workshop style, <coughs> style things. So I've got, I've got two, two activities uh, for you kiddies. Um, one is creating a poster, attracting attention. Um, and we actually had this talk at the University by Father Rich Numbers once. So what I'm gonna do is throw up some topics and I'm gonna ask you guys to come up with some catchy titles for them. And most of these have actually been done before, so I have the answer, if you know what I mean. But it's, it's worth thinking about, because we've got, to, got to have a... <coughs> we've got the best message in the world, but probably with the worst advertising, I think it said sometimes. Um, I don't think Catholic communication suffers from that problem. But we've got to be smart in what we do as well. <coughs> the, the Christian message is in competition with Coca-Cola. There's, there's no question about that. And Lady Gaga. Um, right, so I'll write up two, and let's just have a think, and then you might be able to offer some, some suggestions. So here's, here. Okay, so putting a talk on salvation and Catholic theology. So can you be saved if you're not a Catholic, for instance? So that kind of discussion. Like, how, how, is, how is one saved? How is one uh, justified and, and get to the beatific vision? Um, another one is this one now. It's in Latin. I'll tell you why. Anglicanorum Tratibus. Anyone heard of this? Anglicanorum Tratibus? It's a recent papal promulgation. 
Um, this, this is the title of the document that invited Anglicans <coughs> to join the Catholic Church um, most recently. So particularly those Anglicans who felt as though they um, no longer found that the Anglican Church was actually a church and that they could come as a group to join uh, the, the Catholic Church. How could you title both of these to be a little bit more effective? Um, any, any ideas? Both of these have been done before. There's no right or wrong answer, but... Good thing is to think of your target audience. You're not going to get the entire university in the room. If you do, well then, the Holy Spirit uh, really thinks your talk's very important. <laughs> So, so about hell in the first one, so like, am I going to hell? Yeah, that's good. The big question, am I going to hell? I think, I think that's very, very poignant. Am I going to hell? That's a good, good choice. Very straight down the line. Now, the topic is not about people going to hell, but what you're trying to do is convince people to get in the room. You're not necessarily trying to give them the answer. There's another good thing about this one. It's a question mark. So, by posing a question, not always necessary, but most of the time it is, by posing a question, you're not being threatening, you're getting them to think, and you're making them think that they might be able to look into the answer. We did a mission once where instead of putting questions, we put statements. So instead of saying, did Jesus found the Catholic Church, the talk title was, Jesus founded the Catholic Church. And what we found was that every time a student we ask students student if they want to come, they say, oh, well, it looks like I already know what you're going to say. And I think we probably had half the people in the room that we, than we would have, would have. And that um, was really interesting to, to us as a team. Posing questions is a, in this kind of way, which is, which is catchy, the word hell, where am I going to hell, that's, that's quite, quite catchy. Uh, yeah? Am I, am I saved? Like, am I saved? Yeah, am I saved? Protestants use this quite a lot as well. Am I saved? <coughs> and, you know, this would be a great way to title it if you're targeting a Protestant audience, particularly evangelical yeah. Catholic audience. Though, look, it's a, good, it's a good charismatic question, you know, am I saved? You know, that's one of the fundamental questions. Um, but a Catholic society putting this, this talk on would turn the heads of an evangelical who has an understanding of, of the Christian faith but hasn't got that deep understanding that we would claim Catholicism has. So that's another, another one. Any others? Anyone here actually done this before, put on talks before? Not at a university. Okay, but you put them on. It's kind of this. It's a this is universal stuff. It can be applied, you know, at McDonald's the marketing department. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, the the one the one we uh, put on is uh, no better necessarily than these ones, but then can. Anyone have a, know why we might have chosen that title? Similar to talk about atheists and yeah. 
Yeah, so, you know, we grabbed a, a certain current, a certain intellectual current in the wider population. And also it's on the back of Cardinal Pell's comments on Q&A that yes, certainly an atheist can get to heaven. A lot of people asking questions about that. But what does he mean? And there we go. So can you see the, the progression there? And it's just a matter of being smart. Now, let's go through a few. I think it's kind of, kind of interesting. Anglicanorum chatibus. Now, this is a bit more detached from real life. Not many people walk around speaking Latin to each other. I do know some people who do that, but they're very strange. <laughs> Any thoughts? Remember, this is an invitation that the Pope has given for Anglicans to become Catholics. The Anglicans at the University of Sydney are Calvinists. Most of the time. What do you mean? So the Calvinists are so they're very... They're not kind of the liturgical Anglicans you might see in Westminster Abbey. They're very Protestant. They're, they're very anti-Catholic in a way. Uh, they believe, you know, um, I'm kind of painting a broad brush, but they do believe that Catholics aren't Christian, for instance. They're not biblical based, as, as, a, as a general statement anyway. Now, I'll just say, we've had two converts from the talk we put on. This. So yeah, it does it does work. I have a clue. Yeah. Okay. Is there something like the true home for Anglicans? Yeah. Good on you. Yeah. So, what is the true home for Anglicans? That's very close to what we did. All right, what we did. And it's very aggressive in a way because you're talking about someone else's religion, but considering that it was in the news at the time, like it was considered a topical, uh, topical uh, lecture to have. Uh, what we did was a little bit more simpler. Good discussion, good speaker, of course, a former Anglican priest um, who became a Catholic priest. But it hit a nerve because we understood, of course, if we put that title up, they might have heard about the document. They wouldn't know what that means. Um, this is a good one too, of course. Um, but also that whole notion of Catholicity in non-Catholic Christians. So they, they have a kind of they, they do want to be Catholic. They understand this kind of universal church uh, understanding of some kind so we're kind of hitting at that level as well um, but once again you can kind of see the see how, how it works um, let's do do one more hey uh, over here Yes, I think. 
Okay, so one of the great things you can put on is to get a speaker who's confident and, and knows how to answer any question and you just put them up there and get the audience to ask them questions. Um, it's very effective. But I'm not sure if I would even turn up to that. <laughs> yeah. Which is another point. These Making these topics punchy isn't just good to attract non-Catholics, it's good to attract Catholics. Um, Catholics probably watch, the average Catholic will watch more TV than they would listen to sermons or uh, uh, read, read and form themselves. So there's no problem with uh, making our story seem very interesting because it is interesting. So what would you, how would you, how would you describe this one? How would you give it a bit more zazz? Stump and none. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll take that one down. Well, we call it the Gorilla Catholic. Oh, that's close. It's very close, yeah. So, for instance, we'll do Gorilla Catholic none. Right. That's cool. Well, Gorilla Catholic student or Gorilla Catholic bishop or Gorilla Cardinal is another one. Uh, so, that's far more attractive. Now, I've... I've, I've um, I think I've underscored the point here, but these are practical things that people running Catholic societies do on a day-to-day -day basis. How are they going to make a talk on the Gospel of John interesting to a wider audience? Well, the hidden secrets of the Last Supper, according to John. Like that, these kind of things do uh, reinvigorate an understanding of, uh, of the Gospel and, and the, the Christian message and enable people to have that first bite in the end, it's not about entertaining people, and that, that's important. The, the, it would be wonderful if you could just put that up, putting a thousand people <coughs> take up. Um, and in some areas of history, that's true. In our era, it doesn't seem to be the case. But we can, we can still get the message out there, the same fundamental message out there, while, uh, while still being, being smart and combating Coca-Cola. Okay, now, I had one other... Um, little workshop activity uh, to do and this is a lot to do with what I'd call evangelization and overzealousness has anybody come across an overzealous evangelizer before yes yeah, yeah and some of us can be some of us can be some of us don't know we are because we're so can we can be so convicted of what we believe that we forget that the other person sees us with different eyes and we're so keen to get the entire message out there that we forget that it's a gradual process, that the emotions are probably far more powerful than the rational mind for most people, that friendship and a clear understanding from that person that um, you care about them is far more important than what actually they're saying. So I wanted to just do a little quick role play. I don't usually do this very often. I want to pick a victim. Box, you want to be my victim? Oh, okay. And I'm going to try and convince you that my religion is, or what I believe is correct. So um, let's do a little bit of a game here. So if you stand up and you come and get a free sausage, for instance. And some of you understand we put on free barbecue, so it goes up. Yeah, mate, here's your free sausage. Have you heard about... Um, the aliens that are coming next next week, and we put on a barbecue to 
teach people about aliens coming is really important because they're going to eat you alive and you have to shift your life to focus around making sure the aliens don't come and get you. Um, your entire family is important because your entire family will also be eaten by aliens. And you really, really need to listen to what I have to say. You need to come to this talk in order to understand how you can avoid the aliens, okay? So if you come to this talk, okay, so you get, you get what I'm saying? Um, I'm not asking you to respond. <laughs> Just came for a sausage, you can throw the sausage back in my face. To many people, that's what we're saying. To many people, telling them that Jesus Christ is there to save them is like saying aliens are coming. Yeah. Uh, it's a really important thing to understand that not all people, so you have to gauge and you gauge the reaction, but you're not going to convert someone on the spot. The best way is to stay calm, keep it simple, stupid, and of course always be aware of their guardian angel, of your guardian angel and the Holy Spirit. Um, you know, say a little prayer. Um, or sometimes just say a prayer in the morning. Like you can't constantly be saying prayers in the back of your head. Some people do. Um, a lot of saints do. Some Dominican nuns pray the rosary while giving lectures at the same time. I don't know how they do it. Anyway, so, so I, I'm not going to go further on that kind of role play, but be aware of how gradual uh, you can be and how you never know the effect you have. And one person will say something to them at this barbecue. They might come to the talk... They ask a question, they get an answer they need, and then you don't see them ever again. But then they go to somewhere else. And there's a plan. And the aim is to realise that you're not actually doing it. It's somebody else who's guiding you. And the more and more you try and do it yourself, the less and less likely it is that you're going to be authentically um, converting them. You might convince them. You might kind of psychologically capture some people if you have an elaborate structure to do so. Um, but in the end, it's not you working, it's, it's someone else. So keep it simple, stupid. So that's, um, well that's, that's time, I suppose. But hopefully here you've kind of got a little bits and pieces of, of what works, what doesn't, some of the, some of the, uh, the ways in which a university, Christian ministry university with the new evangelisation can work in these four categories and the overarching understanding that a university is meant to be that temple, that place where uh, God, is, God is contemplated and we come to a deeper understanding of him. So. radio.org.au